The Start On Demand. On demand. The fourth wave has officially arrived in Manitoba, and health officials say COVID-19 continues to disproportionately hit the Southern Health District. We learned today that supply chain issues are a big, big problem in the trucking industry. With delays in actual new trucks, there's a shortage of drivers, orders taking years to fill. We resumed our monthly visits with Mayor Brian Bowman. We talked to him today about reconciliation, as well as transit safety and dreams. Loren had a couple of dreams that were just bonkers. So we had some fun today talking about the vivid dreams you've had that messed with your head. Oh, and quarterback Zach Caleros joined us for Breakfast with the Bombers. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, September 28th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Something happened yesterday that has not happened since March of 2020. What was that? You ate a salad. (laughs) You know, sadly, Loren, (laughs) there are still lots of salads in my life. Although I could use one after yesterday's meal. The the three of us got together, which I think that might actually be the first time it's happened since March 2020, where we've been in the same room. 100%. Okay. And then, uh, but we also saw Hal. He invited us out for lunch at Pony Corral Pier 7. And uh, I didn't know how to behave myself in, in, in your company again. Like, I don't know what to do. You were well behaved. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just, I felt so awkward. But it was so nice to see you people. It was That's nice a cute to little see you patio, around. too. Oh, what a great spot. A little tiki kind of feel going on there. We were in a little cabana yeah, by the river. I, so I, it was nice. Every time I go to that pony, I always end up inside. I remember I went in August. <laughs> this and we are all so mad because we went in, in late August 2019, but it was a cold, miserable day. So we're like, we're not sitting on this patio. I don't think anybody was sitting on the patio that day because it sucked. But uh, yeah, great patio, great food, the big Reuben sandwich and poutine. I'm still full, so I, I did not I didn't, eat. Supper I didn't last eat again. Night. No, nope. me either. <laughs> I was going to have it. Speaking of salads, I was going to have a salad yesterday, and then Greg ordered the grilled cheese with bacon and a meat patty in it. And I was like, what is this about? <laughs> and so then I switched up my order at the last minute just for grilled cheese and bacon. And I didn't eat again. Like, it was good, but I was full. I had a, I had a roast cooking already going for the kids when I got home. And I just, aren't you having supper, Mom? I'm like, no, just staring at you eat. <laughs> you had salad. You had Caesar salad. We did a little combo, fries we, and salad. Does that count? No. Caesar salad does not count, I don't think. <laughs> no. It's still no. roughage. It is roughage, but uh, no, it's, yeah, there's no health benefit there, I don't think at all. But that's okay. We can just tell ourselves we had salad and feel much better about ourselves. It's, it's a great invention. So the food was great. The patio is great. And of course, the company was wonderful. Hal, thank you very much uh, for having us out. Don't forget, Connecting Winnipeg with Hal Anderson's is underway. And the second edition is today just after 10 o'clock. Also today, GMAC, I see here that, mm-hmm. um, well, I guess, Loren, you take it away from here. Do you see the, the bomber stuff in here? Oh, you want me to get sporty. Sport, it's time to sports, Loren. 
Yeah, so the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they uh, came back to practice following a bye week. They had their week off last week, and they a lot of them will, I think, Greg, go home to see family and friends if they can, or they'll stick around and do some work around town. Okay, so this is great. One player who did not head home was Nick Taylor. And no, not Duran Duran's Nick Taylor. He didn't suddenly play pro football after being in Duran Duran for 25 years. Defensive back Nick Taylor. And the weather was perfect. It was like 80 degrees one day. So what, that's like 25 Celsius. Oh, it was a nice day. So I said, I don't have to go to Miami for the weather. I could just relax out here. I have water. That's all I need, some water to look at and jump into the lake. And I'm, I'm good. That's all I need. And I'm going to have a good time. So Taylor is, in fact, from Florida. And he decided, I'm going to stay in Manitoba, rented a cottage in Pinawa for his week off. And so when I tweeted out that little... That little quote, that little video from Nick Taylor, Brett, I suggested that Nick Taylor is becoming one of us. That's great. And he picked a great spot. I mean, he could you could throw a dart at Southern Manitoba and go, that's a great spot. That's a great spot. That's a great spot. But Pinawa is a wonderful spot. And uh, it's one of those places like, and I think, Loren, you've referenced this. It's you, you get out of your car and you just take a take a whiff of that clean rural air that cottage country air mm-hmm. it's just like it's like not even an hour and a half outside of winnipeg and it feels no. like you're on another planet and you got that rock and then the canadian shield peeking through and then as he said it was 80 degrees whatever that is that sounds warm what is that 24 well I'm he did the up. math for us he is 25 i didn't hear that yeah oh i, he goes, I just heard what is that 25 said, degrees celsius he's as like, soon he's as he got- said 80 degrees i got lost and <laughs> is that <laughs> He's all over it. Nick Taylor, like I said, he's becoming one of us. I I absolutely love that and how excited he was. And he has been here. He was with the Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup run last year. He came late to the Bombers. Uh, So he does know that it gets cold here, but it just was great to see the look on his face and the enjoyment that he had and and celebrating uh, the place we call home. So we're going to find out what Zach Caleros did on his bye week at 7.37 when the star quarterback joins us for breakfast with the Bombers. And uh, by the way, Greg, yes. uh, you tweeted <laughs> at 3.03 a.m., mm-hmm. Max on the Twitters. Yes. How did you find that picture in your archives? It's so funny. It actually, you know, well, you don't have an iPhone, but Loren, you might get this every day. There are selected photos that come up where your iPhone chooses special memories for you. And yesterday, that picture with myself and Zach Caleros came up in my memories for some reason. And it's kind of freaky because it showed up after Darren Cameron from the Blue Bombers confirmed Zach Caleros was going to join us for breakfast with the Bombers. So I don't know if the iPhone is spying on my messages or whatnot. But yeah, that. That picture actually came up yesterday. So just just happened to come up yesterday. Yes. It's oh, so that's creepy. It is creepy. Wow. Well, that's perfect. I mean, it's wonderful because Zach is joining us at 737, so the timing from the phone couldn't be better. But what else is it telling you to do today? <laughs> you might want to listen. I do get the memories, too, the Google Photos memories. Okay. Every, every so often it'll pop some things up and I'll go, oh, that's nice. And then it'll pop up other memories or go, ah, I don't really feel like revisiting that one today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, That's when you need to do like a audit of your phone, a forensic audit of your phone and or your Facebook feed or whatever, so you can get rid of those photos that you'd rather just leave in the past. Yeah. 
<laughs> sometimes are good, sometimes bad. But uh, yeah, it's just constant bombardment of notifications. So that's cool, though, that you found that picture. I for- I completely forgot about that moment. And how did you describe it? At the time, it was an act of detente. <laughs> that's right, because Zach Caleros had just signed with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but he had yet to play a game with them. So it was okay for me to be, you know, friendly with him and to shake his hands. He wasn't quite yet a Rough Rider. We hadn't seen him in a Rough Rider uniform. And it's just funny how things work out in the end. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Global News, Morning Weather Specialist Kayla Evans joins us now. Kayla, and are we going to reach 30 degrees today? Oh, that's what we're looking like right now. All the latest models show that we are on track. I would say a third of them are saying 29, and the rest of them are saying 30 for today. So how's that compared to previous years? Because it feels like this September has been chock full of days where we say, whoa, is that going to set a record? Oh, my goodness. Isn't that incredible? Uh, was it? No, two weekends ago when we had those really, 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 really hot days, uh, most of us came within like one degree of setting a record. So we were almost there. Um, but we have had really hot Septembers before. The only thing is we haven't had them in the last three, two or three years. So um, while this heat isn't dangerous by any stretch, it is still more like midsummer right now than it is fall. So you got to love this. How long is this going to continue? I'm, I'm looking at the long term, and it does obviously cool off a little bit, but not by much. No, it's going to say absolutely lovely. So the high pressure that's bringing us the sunshine and heat right now, uh, that ridge is going to relax a little bit Thursday into Friday, but temperatures are still going to remain well above average as we head into the weekend. Um, we'd be about 15 for daytime highs. That's typical uh, during the final days of September. And we're still going to be hanging out uh, around 22, 23 degrees throughout Thursday, Friday, and then into this weekend. All right, Kayla, we know you got to go. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Global News Morning Weather Specialist Kayla Evans joining us live on 680 CJOB. So just so I'm clear, we have tied the record for days at or above 30? Yes. Okay. So we we're get there. so we get one. We're more. there. We got one more, and then it's it's a new record. Was it yeah, thirty-five. And 35? then we could start talking about this day is the before times in the weather. <laughs> Remember the before times when we never had so many days above thirty, and then September twenty twenty one hit. Yes. Forget the pandemic before times. I know the lack of rain this year has been awful, but uh, the, the the sunshine has been pretty spectacular. And I just can't believe this long term forecast as I look at this. Like this looks like something you would see in uh, in in May or maybe I don't know. Sometimes even late August. But like looking into well into October 11th, they're still calling for 19 degrees on that day. And I know that's likely to change. But this this long term forecast is spectacular, GMAC. Oh, it is absolutely wonderful. And I was just scrambling here to Google Foo. Yes, thirty five, uh, thirty degree plus days so far in twenty twenty one. So one more will set the record. We've tied the record with nineteen eighty eight. And I just I love this weather. It just you know it's already dare I say it, Loren, making winter shorter. Oh, why would you do that? <laughs> just saying. I had my kids ask when the snow was going to come, and I pretty much had to stop myself from yelling out, shut your mouth, because I was like, no. But I love this. This is my favorite time of year, and what's the best about it is because 
you know, like fall clothes even are fun. You have all those fall coats you might have or boots that you can put on, but it's really like a two and a half week season. You got a coat that like lasts 35 years because you've really only ever worn it half a year over its lifetime. So if this extends like this, the wardrobe gets extended, your good mood is extended. You can stay outside more. The winter weight gets delayed a little bit. Ugh. Push that weight back till November, man. I've put on, I, I, you know what, I, I need the fall season to help me transition because I got to lose the summer weight before we no. get into the winter weight. No, so. you look great. I meant to tell you that yesterday, but I couldn't make eye contact with anyone. It was so weird. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I, but I, 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 didn't, I did not require a belt today for these shorts. So that is the, that's the sign that uh, maybe I, as much as the, I enjoyed the Reuben, maybe I just got to dial back the number of Rubens that I am shoveling into my face. Right now, we got to talk about how Manitoba health officials, Lorenz, say that COVID-19 is disproportionately hitting the Southern Health District as the province moves into the fourth wave of the pandemic. Yeah, the Southern Health region is home to roughly 15% of the province's total population. But the area, which is also home to Manitoba's lowest vaccination rates, actually contributed to nearly half of the hundreds of new infections reported in recent days. Global's Brittany Greenslade brings us more. As Manitoba health officials work to control a growing number of cases during Manitoba's fourth wave, there's one area that's quickly becoming known as the COVID hotspot in Manitoba. We see the um, you know, significant transmission occurring in, in, in the southern health region right now. Southern Health has the lowest immunization rate in Manitoba, with just 65% of people with at least one shot, which is helping the virus spread. Of the 93 new cases reported in the province Monday, half came from the Southern Health region, and 90% of those people were not fully vaccinated. We're seeing that uh, you know Southern Health makes up about uh, 15% of the total population of Manitoba, yet we're seeing of almost half of our uh, daily cases uh, are, are coming uh, from the region. Uh, we see that uh, um, uh, testing per capita is lower in that region. Dr. Brent Rusin says the area has the highest test positivity rate in Manitoba and it's resulting in severe cases. More than half of the, the people being admitted to ICU, um, their first test related to COVID is on that day of admission. Uh, so there's people that are uh, delaying being tested or out in community while very ill and not being diagnosed until being admitted uh, when they're severely ill. Virologist Jason Kindrachuk says it's disconcerting to watch the situation in the South unfold when there was a chance to stop it. I would have hoped that certainly the situations we've seen in Alberta and Saskatchewan recently would have done some of this for us. And, and I, I'm concerned that it hasn't, that the message still has not resonated, that this is a virus that will get to, to people that are unvaccinated. Um, it will lead to increases in hospitalization. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And both he and Rusin say regional restrictions would do little to help. Instead, it's going to take more community buy-in and enforcement. It's widespread, so we need people in those communities to, to really uh, you know, take up the, the enforcement for us and, and certainly uh, appreciate that the restrictions are, are there for a reason. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. So we heard from Jason Kinderchuk in Brittany's report, and here's a question. like, What is the answer, the best strategy to get numbers down in the Southern Health Region? That increasing proportion in the Southern Health Region is concerning. Now, 
what, what do we do? I, I don't know. We, we can't change vaccine uptake overnight. There, there's going to be, you know, there still is a lot of reluctance. That's going to remain uh, for the foreseeable future. Then it gets back to trying to implement, uh, you know, public health uh, restrictions, you know, as far as masking and, and the enforcement. Uh, without having enforcement, I don't know how we're going to do it. We need public health advocates and, and people that have trust in the communities to be leading the charge in those areas. Um, but we, we don't have a lot of time. You know, the, the cases have picked up already. So transmission is is fairly widespread. And there is an unfortunate reality when it comes to getting to yes on vaccines with certain people. The ability to try and, and convert people that are sitting on the fence is, is probably done at this point, right? Now you're into that reluctant crowd. That conversation is not going to change overnight. So I, I don't know how you do it without heavy restrictions. But at the same time, you have to have enforcement. And that's the bigger question is we're not dealing with just one community. Unfortunately, it's the entire health region. And that makes it much more difficult from an enforcement standpoint. Now, Julie Buckingham reminded Kinderchuk about the regional restrictions which were put in place in 2020 in the Prairie Mountain Health Region, as that part of the province battled a disproportionate number of cases and hospitalizations. Is that the answer here? So at the point that you go to to those regional lockdowns, uh, you know, is transmission so wide that at that point you already are well behind the eight ball? And then again, it goes back to this idea, do you have enforcement in those areas that can actually ensure that, that those lockdowns are, uh, you know, are, are actually being mandated? So it, it's a tough situation. And I, I, I keep going back to this idea. We, we knew that this was happening. This was so predictable. And, and yet here we are. And it really shows the, the divisiveness that that COVID has had in our communities. And that's going to continue. And I, 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 you keep hearing him say, I don't know what the answer is without restrictions, but restrictions don't work without enforcement. And then at the end of those restrictions, you still need people to take the vaccine. Just straight up, this is my health region. I am in the southern, southern health region. My town has a vaccine uptake of 82%. But you go a little bit east and it drops down to more like in the 60%. And then, of course, you go a little further than that, it's 50%. And then you go west to the Winkler area and in and around there, you know, you're at that 20% outside of Winkler. So it's just varying all over the place. And I would be so frustrated to, to be put into restrictions sitting where I physically am right now. But I don't know what the answer is here. And I, and I, I, the thing is, if you put the restrictions in place, as he said, people have to abide by it. But when those restrictions lift, if they do, you still need people to take the vaccine if, if that's the messaging that we need to keep people out of hospitals. So it just seems to keep spinning you around in circles. And if I was, this is the one spot where if I was in public health, I genuinely would be trying to scratching my head saying, what do you do here? Yeah, that willingness to comply with the restrictions has to exist. And if that willingness doesn't exist, then you need enforcement of restrictions but if the people charged with enforcing the restrictions are on the side of people not following the restrictions, it becomes an absolutely vicious circle. It creates that divisiveness Jason Kinderchuk speaks of. And over the last 19 months, unfortunately, when those numbers get high, Brett, we've learned that the only way to get them down again, once the high rates of infection and hospitalizations uh, take hold, the only way we've been able to battle those is with dramatic action and as Kinderchuk says and I agree with them we have seen this coming from miles away and just looking at the number of active ICU patients in Manitoba this is as of yesterday at 12 30 p.m. 86 percent in the ICU not vaccinated 14 percent partially vaccinated zero percent fully vaccinated 
Question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. Call 204-987-6890. Health officials say we're officially in a fourth wave. What do you think is the best course of action? 56% say keep allowing vaccinated people only at non-essential places. 24% say close down the hard-hit areas but keep the others open. And uh, 20% say unfortunately I think we need another big shutdown. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have concert tickets to give away for Billy Talent, February 7th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. We also have another concert announcement for the Burt coming up just after 7 o'clock. So on our text contest today, you get to choose which of those tickets you want to win. And then at 9.35, the tickets that are left on the table will be given away to somebody else. So today we're talking about dreams. Loren, what happened? It had me... When I woke up yesterday morning trying to figure out what's going on that I would have a dream like this. And it's happened a few times in my life, but I was in my dream. Then I woke up. But I don't realize till later I'm only awake in my dream. So I was sleeping in my dream. In my dream, I wake up and I look over and there's this wide-eyed face staring at me trying to tell me something. And it looks like the redhead from Mad Men, who's now in what TV show, which I have watched. So maybe that's part of the problem. But is it Big Little Lies? Or I can't remember what she's in. Uh, anyway. Guys, oh, I'll, I'll figure that out. Yes. I know the show okay. you're talking about. It's not important, but I have watched a show with her in it more recently. And so she's trying to tell me something, try to tell me something, and I can't move. And I'm like, lady, why are you in my room? What are you doing? So I try to get up. I realize I'm in my own, I'm in my own old farmhouse. And I kind of stumble into the hallway and my brother's down and I'm trying to say his name, but now I can't speak. And she keeps saying something to me and I say, stop talking. I can't hear you. Please stop. Please stop. And so finally I wake up and I, I go Googling in the morning because now it's, you know, three in the morning. And I go looking and so when you have dreams like that, apparently it means you can't control things in your own life and you're, you're struggling to control things. I don't know. So I tell my kids all about it. And my oldest says to me, did it sound like this? Okay, that is like, creepy. Hey? He's like, like when, you, when it's noises, but you can't understand what it is, Mom, like from a horror film. And I say, oh my gosh, the bad man lady was talking to me like that. Why? Something's going on in my head. Well, guess what happened last night in my dream? Full-on brain surgery where someone is screwing into my skull while I'm awake <laughs> in my dream. And that's what woke me up. I'm not kidding you guys. That's how I woke up to the sound of a drill. What's going on? Wow. Um, the, na- uh, the name of the show, by the way, is Good Girls, the Christina Hendricks Thank show. You. That's the crime dom- drama, right? Where they? Yes. She- okay. Uh, yes. Well, she was in my dream. She was creepy. That noise is creepy. I've had brain surgery. Clearly, I need help. Carry on. And that sound again. Okay, that's awful. All right, Jeff Braun, I know you like scary sounds, so why don't we start Yuck. with you? What are you having for supper, Loren? Because... <laughs> I didn't eat last night. I went to the Pony Corral, and then I didn't eat for the rest of the day. I don't know. I thought the same. Like I thought maybe he had meat sweats or something going on. That's my problem. If I have anything even slightly spicy, like even a piece of pizza after 6 o'clock, I'll have crazy nightmare dreams all night. So I just stopped doing that. And I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, Whenever I have dreams like that, after a day or two, they're gone from my brain never to return. So I don't have any bad stories like that. The one recurring dream I do always have, though, is – 
it's just me trying to get from my desk to the news booth. Yes. And the clock's running down, and I just can't get there on time, even though it's only like you know 15 steps away in the dream kind of thing. But I, I keep getting interrupted, like a camel pop up out of his chair. Jeff, I got to task you something right now. I like, no, I got to get to the news booth. Get out of my way. That sort of thing. So that that's my my recurring dream for like 20 years now. That's about it. I do often have dreams where I'm trying to run, but I can't. Like, I just yes. can't seem to get moving. Oh, and I think, yeah. what's what's the symbolism there, Loren? You just feel like you're being held back? I yeah, think. They're holding, you're being held down. And in my dreams, when they're like that, it's on a slight incline. You know, when someone puts the treadmill just slightly <laughs> up, you're like, why? Why would, I, why would I want to be on a hill? In my dream, the hallway to the newsroom or the studio has a hill. Mackling. I still have server dreams. Uh, cheese mares, we used to call them, or Earl's mares, about not being able to get to a table in time, or uh, you're late for a shift, or one time I had a dream about being in Vietnam with all my buddies, and our big concern was getting back to work in time for our shift that night. It was just a bizarre, but the one that sticks with me forever, I was 12 years old, and I was lying in bed, and in my mind, I was 100% awake while three or four guys were jumping up and down on our vehicle in our driveway. I heard them come in our house. I heard them coming up the stairs. I was trying to yell. I was trying to scream. And I couldn't. I was absolutely still. I was paralyzed with fear. I can remember my dad, hearing my dad in the bedroom next to me, picking up the phone and dialing it. And then that's it. That's all I remember. But I was 100% awake. And it's called false awakenings where you totally believe that you were awake for the dream and then you you fall back asleep. But I can tell you this. I, I, I've done my research on this thing. I still believe that it happened even though... That it didn't happen? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can hear it. I can feel it. I can sense it. It was like I was there, just way more vivid than any dream I've ever had in my life. Wow, that is freaky. Cam, what you got? Well, Dream Cam is my greatest nemesis. Dream Cam? Yeah, because he's always messing with me. He's getting me into trouble. Uh, Sometimes he's sweet. Uh, well, this, of course, I'm talking about my wife. Sometimes uh, Dream Cam sometimes is sweet and very, very nice some days. And then I, I'm, I'm rewarded. I'm, I'm, I, oh, I had a great dream. You were so nice. But that's only, a, that's only a teaser because Dream Cam is really trying to screw me because the next several nights he is horrible. He does all kinds of terrible things. And then I, and then I end up having to pay for it. How? Wait, so do you mean you're bad in, so if you have a bad have day, no, you're, you're have bad no, in their dreams? I have, or no, I have no control over Dream Cam. This is my wife. This is not me. This is, this is me in her head. Dream Cam. He's, <laughs> he's, he's out to get me. So, so she has dreams about oh. you? Yes. Dream and Cam. And then she gets mad, mad at, you. at you. And then yeah. I end up having to pay the price because of what Dream Cam is up to. He acts sweet once, once in a while. Just to, you know, just to, uh, but, but it's only to eventually get back at me. I don't know. He's got something out for me, Dreamcam. I, I got a big issue with him. Oh, well, you know what? I can relate to that because in 2008, I had a dream that my girlfriend at the time cheated on me with her ex. And I woke up fully aware that it was a dream, but it was so visceral and so painful. I was upset all day. 
And uh, and I even said to her at one point, like, look, I'm sorry, I'm acting weird today. I had a dream you cheated on me, and I, I think the only cure is to go back to sleep. I needed to, you know, when they say you got to sleep on it, I had to sleep on it. It just, it bothered me all day long. It was weird. You know what my favorite food is? Right, how did you guess? <laughs> We have another concert announcement, GMAC. <laughs> I'm distracted because this is such a good song. Yesterday, we announced just after 9 a.m., Canadian rockers Billy Talent coming to the Burt in February. And we've got tickets to give away all week long. And now today, we announced another show for Burton Cummings Theatre. If you haven't figured it out already, Loren... This was the man who was at the halftime show at the Bombers game about a month ago. And let me tell you, people loved it, old and young. Fred Penner coming to the Burton Cummings Theatre December 12th. There will be a pre-sale for this magical show. It begins tomorrow at 10 a.m. and goes until Thursday at 10 p.m. So tomorrow, 10 a.m. to Thursday, 10 p.m. And use the code CJOB. That's the pre-sale. And then tickets go on sale Friday, October 1st at 10 a.m. And we have tickets to give away all week long. So as we mentioned, on the text contest, you can choose if you want Billy Talent or Fred Penner. So it wouldn't hurt if you included that in your story about your dreams, which tickets you would prefer, Billy Talent or Fred Penner. And then we'll give those away at 9.15. The remaining tickets we shall give away at 9.35. We're going to play some trivia and uh, see who can answer the question correctly. So that's coming up. So yeah, Fred Penner, all right. Just quickly, uh, Greg, I, you know what I have to do? I got to dig out that audio from when he uh, visited us in studio and sang that song, uh, I Hear the Music, I think is the name I've of the song. I've got it right here. You've got it? I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute you. of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. There's the clickety clack as the train goes by. <laughs> okay. That is magnificent. Well done, Mr. Forte. What a great, what a great memory. Then he got us to sing along with him. <laughs> Yeah, please cut it off before that begins. <laughs> oh, what? Thank Bring you. that back. No, you no, can, no, no, That no, song no. is so catchy and it works every... I hear the water going down the taps. I hear the music all around. It's Come so, on, man. It's funny You can how, make a song into anything if you're Fred Penner. 100% you can, and he does. I hear her sorrels coming down the hallway. <laughs> It's funny how life comes full circle. When I started dating Jackie, you, you know, one of you get in these conversations about your firsts in life, and her first concert was Fred Penner, and I still give her a hard time about it today. And here we are announcing a Fred Penner concert. Uh, Curtis is reminding us with exclamation points, Brett. That's Great Cup Sunday. Oh, wow! So ho hopefully, some of us will would have a conflict on that day, but. Uh, Fear not. Not everybody uh, cares about that. Or, you know, go see Fred Penner and then uh, catch the 
Grey Cup game featuring, hopefully, the hometown Blue Bombers. Right on, right on. So we'll give those away at 9.15 or 9.35, depending on which one you want when you text us a story about dreams. But right now we want to continue the conversation on COVID. Lots of stuff to talk about COVID, seemingly. Like we were just chatting yesterday with Hal saying, you know, it's uh, been nice that we haven't had to talk about it quite as much lately. But yesterday there was sort of an explosion of COVID-related news, including reports of hours-long testing lineups across the city, which has brought testing capacity back to the forefront. And as Global's Merrick DeCash tells us, the province has no immediate plans to ramp up capacity. Lines at testing sites like the one you see behind me here on Nairn Avenue may seem longer than usual, but the province says they haven't seen a significant spike in testing. You might see some, you know, some lines depending on the time of day uh, at, at certain sites where other sites are, um, you know, not busy at all. So, uh, so I'd encourage uh, people to um, look at the uh, online booking. Uh, to ensure uh, you don't have to wait uh, you know, as long. Here at the drive through site on King Edward, wait times seem to be on the shorter end. That's despite a steady flow of traffic. We actually came from the, um, the one on Nairn, and the line was insane there, so this one's way better. <laughs> I'll probably get in within uh, like 20 minutes maybe. But according to another driver in line, that's not always the case. few times I drove by here, there's some time line up all the way out there. Some others lining up for a test are being turned away if they're unsymptomatic. We really want those testing sites to be there for symptomatic Manitobans. We know that, um, you know, we, we definitely want uh, early diagnosis of, of COVID-19 so we can uh, isolate people and do contact investigation. The province says while it doesn't break down numbers by site, the vast majority of Manitobans going for a test are receiving their results within 48 hours. Merrick DeCash, Global News. So making things a little more tricky right now, cold season. We've got this kind of perfect, you know, storm of, uh, of basically a virus that you know, floats around in the fall time or is more predominant in the fall time and winter time and, and unfortunately infects a lot of people. So how, how do you distinguish that? And, and it's it, it's we're, we're in a bit of a mess. I think for some, too, there's also a bit of allergy season going on. So you're trying to navigate those symptoms. And then when it comes to those colds. It actually goes by the name, and they warned us about this last year, too, these two sort of things colliding, COVID and cold, or as it's known, rhinovirus. Rhinoviruses are, are common cold-like viruses, right? So they're probably one of the most plentiful viruses that we see in humans. And the unfortunate reality is that they infect a lot of people, and they create COVID-like symptoms early in the disease process, which makes it difficult to try and differentiate what, you know, what a person is infected with. Sounds simplistic to say, Greg, but that's why testing will be key. Kids are back in school. Kids are back in activities. We're all talking about going back to work. So where does that leave us, right? Yeah, it's a, the combination, right? COVID-19, cold season, impending flu season, and you mentioned it as well. Uh, lots of people dealing with allergies right now, but it's it's critical that people get tested to, to make sure that they don't have COVID-19 because the rules at school are really strict. Rules at workplaces are really strict. If you have symptoms... Uh, and you can't prove that it's not COVID-19. Really, you're not allowed back in the workplace or in the classroom. And Loren, uh, just very quickly here, I understand an update from Pfizer and the FDA. Yeah, so they've officially put in that request to 
have the vaccine approved in children age 5 to 11. So they've submitted that initial trial data to the FDA. This is just for the states only. Then you can expect in a couple of weeks they'll ask for that emergency use application the same way they did for adults, which is which then got official approval later on. And then we'll see what happens in Canada. Will Canada follow suit? But this is moving fairly quickly for the 5 to 11-year-old age group with Pfizer today, this morning, giving that trial data to the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. Owen Curtis, by the way, as Greg uh, deciphered the Fred Penner show that we just announced for December 12th, is at 3 p.m. Afternoon show, watch Fred Penner, then you watch the football game. All is well. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a vivid dream that messed with your head for a chance to win either tickets to see Fred Penner on December 12th at the Burt or tickets to see Billy Talent February 7th at the Burt. Dave says, it's my wife's dreams that mess with my mind. She often has dreams with bad guys who want to hurt her. I'm also in her dreams, but I always wind up... Watching them, good Lord, I end up just watching them beat her up. Uh, have I provided a lack of protection in her life? I want to be the hero in her dreams, but I always wind up just watching her get mugged. She's woken up super offended that I didn't help her. Took a good part of the day to convince her that I would actually help her in a real world situation. Loren, has this ever happened to you where you have a dream about oh, the hubby yeah. and you get mad at him? Yeah, not even that. Sometimes we'll just watch a movie and there'll be a guy in it that does something wrong and then I'll just stare at him with the stink eye for the rest of the night and he's like, I wouldn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Greg? No comment. <laughs> no comment. He's <laughs> just staying out of it. It works both ways. I think it, it works does. both ways. It does. Men will have those dreams. Women will have those dreams. But. Whatever your partner relationship is. But oh, yeah. I feel like I get mad more often. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I. You, you can't know, even can't even go near the topic, can you? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we lived in the United States right now. Okay, I'm just gonna plead the fifth right now because I I really shouldn't say any more. But the person <laughs> that I know is listening right now knows what I'm talking about. Please forgive me for this. Sometimes I just refuse to incriminate myself. No, that's fair. Hey, you you got to keep things civil. I'm all about the honesty on the program, but sometimes <laughs> I just got to shut the heck up. <laughs> okay, so tell us a story about a vivid dream for a chance to win some concert tickets. Make sure you let us know if you can which tickets you would prefer, Billy Talent or Fred Penner. We'll give them away at 9.15. <laughs> Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And indeed, Mr. Forte had a bye week just as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had a bye week. They're back on the practice field today as they continue preparations for Friday night's game in Vancouver versus the BC Lions. And joining us this morning is a player who came to the Blue Bombers at the trade deadline in 2019. And man, all he has done since is win... Uh, we're not going to talk about the one loss in 11 starts, Greg, as starting quarterback here in Winnipeg. Uh, no, we don't need to talk about that. Not too shabby at all. We say good morning to Zach Caleros. Good morning, Zach. Hey, guys. How are you guys? We're doing very well. Any trepidation uh, with you when we start talking numbers like that? Like, are you superstitious in any way around don't talk about this or that? I generally don't like talking about myself and uh, 
in general. So uh, I know I just said generally in general there. I apologize for that. But yeah, I, don't, I really don't like the hearing anything about myself. So yeah, but uh, it's all good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Well, we've been enjoying, uh, you know, this incredible weather. We heard from your uh, cohort, your teammate, Nick Taylor, said he rented a cottage up in Pinawa, enjoyed the, the Manitoba sunshine on his bye week. What did you get up to? Yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful bye week. Uh, the weather really, really worked out. Uh, my wife and my daughter and I ended up going up to Cali Lake. Uh, we rented a, a cabin out there for two nights. It was beautiful. It was uh, really incredible. We, you know, spent some, some family time, got away from the game a little bit, relaxed, and, uh, you know, it f- feels good to be back in the building and, and preparing for BC. Oh, I bet. That's a beautiful part of the province as well. Did you get to do the tunnels, like with the kayaking or canoeing? No, they had some kayaks at the uh, at the cabin. We were on a lake there, but, uh, you know, it wasn't very 18-month-old friendly. <laughs> so, you know, we spent, we generally spent the first 12 hours of the day chasing her around, making sure she didn't fall off the dock or, uh, you know, anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful, really relaxing, and uh, yeah, just a beautiful province. It was really nice to, to see some of it. Now, for you, football is obviously your career. It's it's a job, but football is also a game. So how much fun are you having right now? Oh, you know, anytime you win games, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've always really enjoyed the process of, um, you know, preparing uh, for an opponent, um, you know, talking through the little details during the week with your teammates and, uh, you know, and ultimately going out there and playing. And, and you know, it's, it's not easy to win in this league. So anytime you get a win um, – you have to enjoy it, and uh, you know lately we, we've been able to accumulate some of those, and we hope to continue that going. So, did you uh, happen to catch Monday Night Football last night, Zach? I did not actually. I watched a little bit of the first quarter. So, did you watch uh, the actual broadcast or the special Eli and Peyton Manning coverage? Curious. I don't. I don't know how to get the Eli and Peyton coverage up here. So, I, I've heard a lot of uh, good things about it. So, I'm. I'm I'm really uh, anxious to see that, you know, if and when I get back down to the U.S. at some point, find somebody who, uh, you know, recorded it or maybe see if Colin can, can upload it onto our, our 360 stuff for the for where we watch film. But uh, I've heard it's 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 pretty good. I know Peyton and Eli have obviously a great relationship in there. Uh, you know, they poke fun at each other while while also, you know, kind of divulging some, some details and, and things like that about, you know, playing the quarterback position and just, uh, you know, watching football in general. So uh, I heard it's pretty cool. Yeah, I encourage you to, to find that. Now, we have multiple TSN channels, and so that's where I found it last night. I didn't have to dig too hard. So, yeah, maybe talk to one of the IT guys over at the football club to help you out with that because uh, it, it is extraordinary to, to, just to get that insight that, you know, the storytelling and a, a little bit of how to play the game at quarterback. And, and of course, uh, you know, Peyton is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like he was made for TV. He's always been great at that com- about the commercials, and anytime he was brought on, you know, Saturday Night Live, there's different shows. So, uh, yeah, I feel like this is probably going to be a, a great avenue for him to, you know, stay out there in, uh, in public life. And just so it's not inside baseball, I apologize to our listeners that maybe don't know what this is. Brett, Loren, I don't know if you know what it is, but the game is on about 80% of the screen. And then on the left-hand side, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are in a separate location, and they're having a conversation while the game's going on. And they might be actually commenting on what they're seeing. Or, like, uh, there's a different point last night. They had Drew Stafford, the quarterback of the L.A. Rams. And, and they're just swapping stories. It's basically like hanging out at a sports bar with two of the greatest, most successful quarterbacks in NFL history. So it's, it's kind of neat. 
Yeah, it sounds awesome. Like for, the way it's been described to me is, you know, kind of has like a podcast vibe to it. But sure. it, it's on TV. It's not not as polished as you know some of the production might be. Um, but still, like it's you know, like you said, you're you're kind of getting into the minds of two of the greatest to ever play the game. And uh, it, I'm sure there's a lot of nuggets you can find in there. Um, you know that are that are insightful and, and help you understand things a little bit more. We're just are, are cool stories to hear. So Zach, off the top, Greg asked you about you know superstitions, or you don't like to talk about this or that, and you reference you don't like to talk about yourself. And so I'm curious, after a game, obviously game tape and watching the film is a really important part of the process. Do you like to have a bit of break before you go back and do that? Like I know personally, if I want to go back and listen to a story I might have done, I need like a week before I do it, before I want to listen to it again. How's it? How do you how do you work around that? You don't like to talk about yourself or focus, but that's such a key part of you know taking that self analyzation. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously in the building, you know, you have to do uh, a lot of, you know, critical assessments of yourself and, um, you know, do that with your teammates and, and you know, so you can improve uh, week after week. Uh, you know, for me, I generally can't sleep after a game. I feel like the, the adrenaline is still flowing there. So I'm usually hitting refresh on the computer to see if it's been uploaded yet so I can, so I can watch it before I get to the building the next day and then. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, have a critical eye on yourself and, and hear what, you know, Buck uh, has to say about the way that you played and, um, you know, address address the issues and try to improve upon them. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a different thing when you're when you're in the building, but, it's, you know, in public, I'm, and again, I, I really do believe it's, it's the ultimate team sport. So uh, the quarterback gets a lot of the praise and things are going well. Um, you know, it just so happens things are going well right now, but, uh, you know, we have a great football team. And, uh, you know, for me, it really starts with those guys up front and they're, you know, they're playing their butts off and, you know, love those guys and uh, they're going to continue to do that. Quarterback Zach Caleros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joining us live for breakfast with the Bombers. Zach, a pleasure as always, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing okay, bud. We're doing okay. <laughs> I was laughing at the, the dreams you guys were talking about. I was reflecting on uh, a nightmare I had when I was 11. <laughs> and? Well, I, I used to deliver the free press. And so uh, when they shifted to allow for Saturday morning paper, my dream was I slept in and I had the anxiety of being late. It's the afternoon of Saturday. I go to get the papers. They used to be dropped off on the, on the curb. And you have to you used to have to make the paper before you delivered. That's so right. I was making the making the paper and I flipped over the paper and there I there I was on the front page of the free press in a suit. <laughs> I'm eleven years old. And it was so horrifying that I, it jolted me and I woke up. Um I think it was more a nightmare than a dream. <laughs> I think it was a premonition. That's exactly. what I think it Some was. Foreshadowing uh, it there. Was a, it was the wildest thing, but, you know, you have these anxiety dreams where you're late for a test or, you know, I, I, I would have dreams also in university that I missed an exam and in the multipurpose room at U of M and, you know, those, uh, I, but I, I did not have brain surgery last night, so I can't wait to hear you <laughs> and your, your questions and I will blame it on the brain surgery if sure. they're really off base. If they're off base, you can just say I've had I've had a rough couple of nights. I, yeah, I still I have the dream. I'm still waiting for my university to come back to me and take back my my uh, degree because I'm convinced something. <laughs> you know, I still have that dream once in a while. But yeah, we do, of course, yeah. always have some serious things to talk about. And this is such a hugely yeah, we significant week, yeah. Mr. Mayor, because of course you're looking to lower the flags at City Hall Thursday for that first ever National Truth and Reconciliation Day. You're talking about encouraging employees to wear orange tomorrow. 
tomorrow if they're off the following day. And so a lot of really important things are going on, but a lot of the things we hear uh, from the Indigenous communities that need for more education. And so I know counselors in the past have participated in courses on Indigenous history and issues. Is this now a mandatory part of the process, not just for politicians, but City Hall employees? Or are we working to make this better so that every time someone is hired or elected, they get that really important course on our past and our future? Yeah, a great question, and thanks for raising the topic. The um, the requirement for reconciliation training as well as anti-oppression training is now a requirement for for all city employees, including elected officials, have, have taken it. And I, I've taken it. It's uh, it's something that I, I wish more organizations and other levels of government would, would really embrace because I've seen the value in, in the education. We It doesn't matter if you're Indigenous or, or not Indigenous. We all have a lot to learn. And, um, yeah, we'll be, our, our civic offices will be closed on September 30th. Or you mentioned our employees will be encouraged to wear orange. Our flags will be at half-mast. The Winnipeg sign will be lit orange. Uh, Winnipeggers can go to the Winnipeg Public Library site to learn learn more about. Uh, they, they have a comprehensive inf- info guide with links to a variety of sources. And so, I hope the day will be a day of reflection for Winnipeggers, and that reflection uh, can can come in a, a variety of ways. Uh, you can visit the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation website, the Treaty Relations Commissioner, or or city resources. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, folks will be able to convert kind of that reflection to action by becoming partners to Winnipeg's Indigenous Accord or finding your own path to uh, to uh, responding to the calls to action for the for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And so it's an important day for our city. We've got the largest Indigenous community in, in Canada and we're growing. And uh, I want all Winnipeggers to see that as a, a source of strength and pride. Uh, but we have a lot of work to do as Canadians um, to, you know, continue on this this journey of reconciliation. We'll be on the air on Thursday and, and having and hopefully, uh, you know, kickstarting some of those conversations ourselves here on 680 CJOB, Mayor Bowman. Hey, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, you betcha. We, we, we decided, you know, we thought it was very important. Uh, surprise, surprise, either a cycling question or a transit question from Mackling for you. Uh, few high-profile assaults on, on city buses, including one on a senior. I know know you're aware of them the union calling for a transit police force it's not a new request or anything that's brand new in terms of something that is being seen as a potential solution to these issues on transit do you support an app for the drivers to report uh, assaults more quickly Uh, what conversations do you have and where do you stand on this stuff yeah, I, I appreciate you raising, uh, I mean, issues of, of public transit as well as public safety are obviously really important. And you're right, we have had some really uh, concerning incidents recently, but the work has, has been going on for many years. And we, we created the Transit Advisory Committee back in 2017. And as a result of that committee, which uh, the, the union is, is at the table there, um, they've, they've participated there. We, we do appreciate their input. Um, as a result of that work, back in June, we launched a new pilot project involving 50 buses that will allow for live camera feeds uh, to stream directly into our control center. We've got all of our bus operators uh, are trained how, how to handle various emergency situations, including de-escalation. Um, and keep in mind the context that we're operating in. We, we have a provincial government that did unilaterally eliminate their previous financial supports uh, that they were providing, the 50-50 uh, transit cost sharing arrangement. Despite that, council has invested about $8 million into new safety initiatives, uh, expansion of audio, video surveillance systems, uh, which, which have actually 
led to an increase in successful identification of assailants. We got more transit inspectors, installation of bus operator safety shields on the entire fleet. Um, we've provided training for de-escalation, installation of inspector stations at strategic locations in the city, public education campaigns. There's a lot of work that's gone on, including establishing reporting procedures with the Winnipeg Police Service for proactive safety initiatives. So a lot of work going on, and we'll continue to, uh, to, to have that table where the union and, and stakeholders can, can basically... Uh, work collaboratively together on improving the safety for not only our operators, but also for passengers on our transit buses. Mayor Brian Bowman, pleasure as always, sir. Thank you for the time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder to send us a text to 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about a vivid dream that you had that messed with your head for a chance to win either... Fred Penner tickets just announced this morning, December 12th, 3 p.m. at the Burton Cummings Theater. Or Billy Talent tickets, February 7th, also at the Burton Cummings Theater. So let us know which of the two you would like. And then at 9.15, we'll pick a winner and award that prize. And then in the following segment at 9.35, we'll give away the other pair of tickets. In the meantime, we got to talk right now, as Loren mentioned, last half hour about supply issues issues with trucks because at the start of the pandemic there were things like toilet paper shortages then there was flour and yeast shortages as 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 a baking craze took off loren the sourdough craze of 2020 (laughs) yeah and i think in the beginning some of the shortages at the grocery store there was maybe some panic by buying or you know more people were just at home working or not able to go anywhere and so they were trying new things that was one of the reasons for the shortages the other might have been factory work was a challenge because of safety restrictions under covid and then we even now have a shortage of semiconductors, which I just had to figure out what they are, but they're a big component in dishwashers and trucks and phones and all the rest. And so there's all sorts of things going on with our supply chain. And right now we're hearing a lot about cargo ships being stuck in ports and tractor trailers used around the world, you know, really struggling to get supplies in. And I mentioned in the last half hour, Greg, that even Costco in the States, and again, this is just in the States right now, but they're limiting the number of items customers can buy when it comes to things like cleaning supplies or toilet paper because there might be a shortage in the supply chain and i don't want that panic buying to happen again exactly terry shaw is the executive director of the manitoba trucking association and he shared some incredible numbers with us on what his industry is going through good morning terry Good morning, folks. How are you? We're doing very well. Uh, a lot of this is concerning, though, as we you know, see images of ships waiting to get into port in Los Angeles and, and all the different uh, pinch points in the supply chain, including the inability for your members to get brand new tractors. Yeah, so we haven't heard uh, a bunch of concern on supply chain issues outside of our industry. So again, to Lorenz's point, don't go out and start panic buying your toilet paper again. But within our industry, due to the semiconductor shortage and some other um, kind of manufacturing component shortages, we have heard that um, purchase times for trucks and especially trailers are are very extended um, and costs because of that are rising as well. What's the price on those new trucks? Like, what sort of trickle-down effect could that have on the prices of the goods they're transporting? 
Yeah, well, and so that's part of the issue. So we had a member um, tell us last week they placed an order for 10 new trucks. The delivery date on those trucks was going to be 2023, right? And so what that does is it throws off your financing schedules, your budgeting budgeting schedules, your procurement schedules, and all of those impact your pricing out to your customers in the market, the shippers, receivers, and ultimately the end consumers. We're also hearing people trying to purchase trailers um, they're not even able to get that end date and they're not able to get from their vendors in some um, uh, in some instances um, a cost for that trailer. So they're ordering trailers, not knowing when they're going to get them and not knowing what they're ultimately going to cost. So again, uh, it's causing a lot of uh, challenge within our industry when it comes to the supply chain and the shippers and receivers who want, you know, kind of that price certainty so they know what they need to price their goods at it it's 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 starting to cause some challenges in our industry um you know operationally um but also in terms of how we interact with our customer base and, and those you know we we share the supply chain with so um it's we're okay now but it's it's some very interesting times that's for sure so not sounding the alarm but if i'm imagining you know a the the port situation that we see in many places around the world right now where cargo ships are waiting to offload and they can't because they're just struggling to keep up with the number of the sheer volume in those ports terry if you have trucks that are already loaded like it's not like trucks are driving around this country empty and now you need more of them to keep the supply going it's a possibility that we could see some of those issues uh in the weeks or months ahead if you if you don't have the equipment to get things going Absolutely. And it's just that aside, even the, the equipment we can get, um, we were talking to some of our, our tire dealers the other day and we, you know, the average price of tires, um, you know, has increased by 8% so far this year. And, and I would suspect more increases are coming. And, you know, for an industry that utilizes a lot of tires, that's not an insignificant number. So even the equipment we can get our hands on, in some instances, the prices are going up um, on those items. So um, I think it'll impact, and I think we're already seeing the impacts of it in the supply chain through you know higher commodity costs and higher grocery costs and things like that so i think folks will still be able to get their hands on what they need trucking will always be here for you don't worry about it but um it is i think cause uh, causing some cost pressures um within the marketplace terry yesterday we were talking about the changes that are taking place uh within the entire co- economy and the workforce Talk about the shortage of drivers with for all this conversation in the last decade or so about the move towards driverless vehicles. I mean, that, that's not happening anytime soon. How short of drivers are we in this country, in this province? Yeah, so, you know, aside from the challenge in getting our hands on trucks, those trucks don't move anywhere without our professional truck drivers, right? So um, in Canada, across Canada, the average age of a Canadian truck driver is 55 years old. Only 15% of Canadian truck drivers are under the age of 30. So we've got a real demographics crunch And so what that translates to uh, in Manitoba, and these aren't our numbers, these are the province of Manitoba's own economic forecasts. If we want to meet the needs of our supply chain, if we want to meet the needs of our economy as a province of traders, we need to recruit, train, and retain one new truck driver every 15 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year for the next seven years. So that's a pretty tall order. 
Um, that puts the occupation of truck driver in Manitoba within the uh, 1% of occupations with uh, net job openings, the highest net job openings. So we've got a real demographics challenge within our industry um, that we need our government partners and our supply chain partners to, to step up and assist us with for sure. Terry Shaw, Executive Director of the Manitoba Trucking Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Terry, thank you very much for bringing this to our attention. Much appreciated, sir. Thanks, folks. Stay safe. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we are going to give away tickets for one of two concerts, Fred Penner, December 12th, or Billy Talent, February 7th. Both shows at the Burt, and then at 9.35, we'll give away the other pair. The first one shall be given away based on your text messages on the weird dreams that you've had. And wow, you've shared some good ones, so we're looking forward to sharing some of those with you in our next segment. And the next half hour, we'll play some trivia to give away the other tickets. But right now, we want to talk about how Manitoba top doctor says they are not ruling out regional jurisdictions this year yeah they're not like they're still looking at regional restrictions uh because there's a concerning situation going on in southern health as you've been hearing this morning there are several parts of that health region so that goes basically from portage south and then it cuts around the perimeter of winnipeg onto eastern part of the province so steinbach you know Rishot, winkler morden they're all in southern health and the vaccine uptake really varies in that region. Winkler, for example, 41% of people there vaccinated, while the RM just outside of Winkler, which is the RM of Stanley, sits at 21% vaccine uptake. And adding to some of the concerns, there's the fact that health officials say schools in the Winkler area, the school division is there, have decided not to schedule any vaccine clinics for children eligible to be vaccinated. We know those pop up clinics are coming to other schools in the province, but that region has chosen not to allow those clinics in. And so there are all sorts of ongoing questions around this, Greg, because we know encouraging more people to get the vaccine is part of the equation, but restrictions could be the other, Greg. Well, Dr. Or Dr. Uh, Jason Kinderchuk, who we heard from multiple times this morning and have been for the last 18, 19 months on this thing, you know, he's convinced, and I think I'm in the same boat, that we've probably th- crossed the the threshold with regard to convincing people who've decided that they're not going to take this vaccine. You might convince a handful of people or a small percentage of them that, okay, you know what, maybe we're going to do it now. It is. It appears to be the only way uh, that is working. We saw it in Alberta when they brought in the vaccine passports uh, or the accreditation. However, Jason Kennedy, Kenny wants to... Uh, classify these uh, vaccine passports, that's what they are, Uh, you know, the tripling in uh, certain days of appointments for vaccination. So uh, that appears to be the next line in terms of getting people to do what needs to be done. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Kinderchuk also mentioned the idea of enforcement. Well, you can have all the rules you want. If enforcement isn't part of the equation, it doesn't really matter and just wanting things to be a certain way doesn't make them so so here we are we find ourselves with one part of the province that is really struggling not only in terms of numbers the numbers are one thing but they're also bearing out in terms of hospitalizations and and those in the icu and we did see we mentioned this earlier this morning the prairie mountain health region uh, brett out near brandon in that part western manitoba they were under a set 
certain set and a different set of restrictions back last year when they had an outbreak and their hospitalization numbers were higher than in the rest of the province. Uh, you can implement these things, but the idea of enforcing it has to go hand in hand. And what Manitoba is trying to do is prevent the kind of situation we see playing out in Alberta where doctors are just pleading with the province to impose a firebreak lockdown. Global's Heather Urex West explains why Premier Jason Kennedy, Kenny is resisting that as one former ICU patient explains his regret at not getting vaccinated. I was scared and I didn't know what was going on, like whether or not I would live or not. Bernie Cook is not afraid to say he was wrong. The 46-year-old underestimated the Delta variant. He had held strong opinions against the vaccine. And because of that, he almost died. I had a lot of reasons to not vaccinate. Uh, One, I'm a healthy guy. It's pneumonia. You know, I was like, I I can fight that. Boy, was I wrong. Cook spent 11 days on a ventilator, one of hundreds of Alberta COVID patients in intensive care. The system is overwhelmed, and from the inside, Cook could feel the stress and strain. All of us that were in ICU and are flooding the COVID wards, we were only focused about ourselves. We weren't thinking about other people. He shares his regret now in the hopes that others won't make his mistake. But across the province, the sick keep coming. It's why Alberta's former chief medical officer of health is among those now calling for more public health restrictions. Getting people vaccinated will help in the longer term. But right now, he says, Alberta needs to shut down places that allow indoor gatherings. What um, I fear is going to happen is that the minister and premier will continue to not take any action and we will continue to lose 100 Albertans a week. But speaking to Chorus Radio on Sunday, Alberta's premier was resistant to the idea. First of all, that makes no sense for the 80% of the population that's vaccinated who are at much lower levels of risk of transmission and, and extremely lower level risks of, of hospitalization. But secondly, it's the roughly 20% of the adult population who are unvaccinated who are less likely to observe public health measures. Alberta Health Services has not yet started its critical care triage protocol or transferred any patients out of province for care. But the only reason this province has been able to manage the growing demand is because so many patients in ICUs have died. Donna? Heather Yorick's West in Calgary, thank you. It feels like Premier Kenny is missing the point. Like, not, those last things that he said are all accurate. Yes, the lockdowns would affect the 80% of the population that are vaccinated. Yes, it's the 20% that aren't vaccinated that are less likely to follow any rules. But what about the equation with regard to the fact that your ICUs are overflowing? What are you going to do about that? They're at the stage right now. They have a triage policy that they might have to implement in the next couple of days where it will figure out how to cope in those ICUs when they don't have the resources to care for every single patient. That's the fundamental of our health system, that you go in, you're treated the same as everybody else in that system, and you try to provide the same standard of care. They're at the point where they might not be able to do that. We do not want to get there. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're asking you to text us about a vivid dream that you had. Maybe it was a nightmare. 
And we have our winner, which was, in fact, a nightmare. But, uh, Loren, why don't you start us off here? There's a, there's a text about driving that made me laugh. Do you see it here in our script? I don't Is this trying to say something about I'm my not, driving? I'm not saying no? anything. Okay. No. This person had a dream of my daughter who just started university. She was driving back and forth. My wife picked up the mail, and I was going through it and opened three letters that were in my name. They were all photos of speeding tickets. Then I asked if she was getting up early enough to get to class. I told him about the dream the next morning, and we all laughed. My wife and I know that my daughter has a little heavy foot. So he, he's anticipating the tickets <laughs> in his sleep. I know somebody who got three uh, photo radar tickets at the same spot in a week. Mm. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that person, too. <clears throat> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was in his school zone, and they're a teacher. So, oh, <laughs> whoops. Um, Mackling, you see this next one involving Sesame Street? I had two re- recurring dreams over a period of many years, probably between six and seven years old in my early teens. They were very short, but very vivid. One involved Maria from Sesame Street flying down my grandmother's hallway on a broomstick dressed in a witch's costume. The hi-fi stereo system always had a pumpkin on it, too. Funny thing is, I didn't just dream this dream around Halloween. And the second one involves Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Yes, the cartoon characters floating in the ocean on a boat made of uh, of a bar of zest soap. I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. Yeah, the boat is shrinking in the in the water over time. Is this Seth MacFarlane sending us these text messages about Sesame Street and Scooby-Doo and Shaggy? I don't know. Uh, but Steve is our winner, and he painted a horrifying picture. And Fortier, maybe lose the Dreamweaver. That's not fitting for a nightmare. Ten years ago, Steve says, a nightmare featuring a picturesque, otherworldly calm, walking through a forest along an ocean, looking up and seeing two moons and massive, tall trees with almost certain serenity to then floating down a hallway into what I think is my childhood home, I'm in a dark room and I can't move when I look up and I see a doll-like figure that looks like a mixture of the girl from the movie Orphan and Annabelle, the creepy doll from The Conjuring. It's breathing hard and moving like a robot around the room. I can't move and I want to scream. It is moving close to my feet. It starts tucking in the blankets around me. I try turning away, but I keep looking back, and it's coming closer, looking at me with that permanent smile. I can feel the sheets being tucked in. I look away, and I can hear the joints of the arms and legs moving and the deep, hoarse breathing. It's right in my ear. It's right near my ear. I have to look, and it's not there. I turn over to look at the hallway, and it's right there in my face, smiling. And then I wake up sweating and swearing. And I have never forgotten that. Steve. Heart palpitation, Steve. That is scary. And it's funny how vivid, like, some. You, sometimes I wake up, two minutes later, I've already forgotten about what I dream. And I know there's a scientific explanation for this. And then the, the vivid ones just stay with you, sometimes forever. Long, long time. Uh, remember the time I got a new bike in my dream? I ran downstairs. No bike. No bike. Oh. Aww. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.